they're the Cinderella crop when there were a small acreage, a small tonnage in the country. But now if we're up at this 20,000 hectares, 50,000 tonnes plus, then they're no longer Cinderella. They have to be mainstream. Politicians, feed experts and farmers alike are acutely aware the EU has a deficit in the ability to grow sufficient plant protein. Plant protein is used in both the human and animal feed supply chains. The EU is only 26% self-sufficient in high-protein feed materials, which is largely covered by imports from across the world. A large proportion of these imports come from South America, which has a high embedded carbon and environmental footprint. Producing more homegrown proteins in the EU and Ireland is now a high priority for policymakers. You are listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the second part of a four-part series looking at Irish protein production. Ireland has the capacity to grow proteins, but most of this is in the form of ensiled forages. Irish farmers need to increase the production of medium or high percentage protein feeds for the current livestock base, but also to supply the increasing demands from the human feed chain. Today, I'm joined by members of the National Protein Stakeholder Group to discuss the group's work and the ambition for the proteins in Ireland. With me are Michael Fall from Charles Alwyn, an agri-merchant in the southeast, and Kieran Collins, a tillage specialist in Chagas. Kieran, can I come to you first? The National Stakeholder Group was formed in 2021. Can you tell me a little bit about the group, who sits on the group, and what are the aims of the group? The group was set up, as you say, in, in 21. Um and I suppose it was sort of in recognition of, I suppose, a policy shift, really, in terms of looking at more sustainable protein. And, you know, we saw that coming through in the likes of Farm to Fork and our own national policy as well. So I suppose the group really is an industry-wide group. So you have people from Chagas and people in both research and advisory from that side. You have department people then obviously involved in, in the policy side. And then you have key stakeholders in the industry. So we have, you know, lots of people handling beans, you know, uh, people in the feed trade and also in the trade as well, people, you know, um, doing the agronomy and selling the inputs there as well. So I suppose the the real aims of the group really was to increase, uh, firstly, to assess, I suppose, initially, what was the potential uh, production of protein crops in Ireland. And then I suppose it was to kind of set a, an aim or a goal then to see, you know, where could we take it? We're, we're at a, an area probably in around 10,000 hectares. Um, so the target that the, or the goal that the group set then was to support farmers to produce 130,000 tonnes of native protein from 20,000 hectares. So we set that target but to achieve that by 2030. And the, the group have, have produced a strategy document um, last year. Are there a number of headlines within that that, that that you might like to highlight? Yeah, I suppose there, there's quite a bit in the document, but I suppose there's three sort of real strategies in, in how we were going to achieve our goal of producing that, that 20,000 hectares of protein crops. So the first one is around the farmer and farmer profitability, because I suppose that was identified as being an issue. If it's not profitable for the farmer in the first place, it's not it's not going to happen. So that's true, the likes of varietal improvement, um, better agronomic practices, kind of bridging knowledge gaps, you know, and obviously the, the protein payment from the policy end has been a, a key side of that as well. 
The second strategy of the three strategies then, Michael, is creating demand. So I suppose, you know, it's no use if the farmer, tillage farmer produces them if there's not a demand in the market. So it's kind of creating a positive market environment, really, you know, and I suppose sometimes we need to kind of establish the nutritional credentials and demonstrate to you know, livestock and pig producers, the advantages of 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 substituting imported protein with with natively produced protein, and I suppose the third element of that was, I suppose, you know, to um, around sustainability and is to create a better recognition of the sustainability credentials of native protein. So, you know, we know that obviously the the sustainability of, of native grown protein like beans or peas is very, very strong, but mightn't always be recognised within the industry. And I suppose it's trying to create a greater recognition of that, Mike, really. Okay. Mick, can I come to you? Um, Mick, you're working in, in Charles R. Wynn there in the southeast and you're involved with helping farmers grow some uh, protein crops, but you also purchase back those protein crops and use it in your own rations. In a general sense, how does the, your company view protein crops to date? And I suppose, do you have a preference of one protein crop over another to whether it's either for profitability for the farmers growing it or for your for your own use in terms of the of the the, the makeup of the, of the ration that you're trying to sell afterwards. Going back, we've been at growing peas and beans in the company for in the, in the region of about thirty years plus. Uh, traditionally, we in the Athire specifically, there's been a history of pea growing there for the bachelor plant, which was based in Athire, and a lot of our goods growers in the Athai area traditionally would have had a bachelor contract side by side with that on some of the heavier land, the people that hadn't enough area of bachelor contract, it overflowed into growing beans. And in the Carlow area where the bachelor contracts haven't existed, we've specialized more in bean growing in some of the heavier land. So we're handling both crops but I suppose now bachelors have exited the Atai plant and they've subcontracted us, Charles Arwin Limited, the handling of their bean contracts for them. So they grow in the region of a thousand ton of peas annually. We handle those peas for them. We take them in off their growers. We clean them, dry them and give them back for their canning plant in Dublin. So that's a closed circle Bachelor farmer Charles Arwin circle. Then the other follow-on then is that we're in the processing of cereals, barley, wheat, oats, peas, beans, maize, soya, and we've developed a very big animal feed speciality business on the back of that, especially in things like calf rations, lamb rations ingredients for the horse industry like the flake maize the toasted flaked oats so peas and beans are an integral part of what we offer the our clients the farmers and also the mills that we supply with ingredients so peas and beans they probably have the same weighting within the company the bachelor thing is a separate entity but the bean thing is probably bigger in that there is more availability of beans than peas nationally. So we have more of a handle on getting beans for use in our plant 
but we would easily handle another two to 3,000 tonnes of green peas, because specifically green peas for the toasted plant, because they flake out like, uh, like a good two-year-old kind, which basically makes them very attractive in a calf or a, a young animal ration. And there is a huge market out there for calf feed as the dairy hearse continues to expand. There's a lot of calves being fed in the country. And it's a very speciality market. But the peas, beans, flake, maize mix looks very attractive in coarse rations. And there's a trend basically for calf feed towards coarse rations. So we're in the business of supplying that ingredients to our own customers and to the trade. So we basically cover both equally. Have we a preference for one over the other? Not really, but we, our 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 beans, a lot of the beans are used in our beef rations as well because we cook, we toast and flake the beans. So we incorporate those into our beef rations generally because there's a limited supplies of peas in the market. We haven't got enough peas to put into the beef rations, but the, the beans being higher protein may be coming in 28 to 30 percent versus the peas coming in at 20 to 22 percent. The beans will force themselves into a beef ration versus the peas can't on a protein basis. So that's roughly where we as end users of peas and beans are at the moment. Within the industry, I suppose, a lot of, um, I suppose, feed merchants, people who are maybe making cubes or uh, that kind of thing, shy away from beans from the point of view of they're harder to process and harder to put through the system. Do, do, do you see any of that conflict within your own plant or have um, you pretty much got over that and are very happy to use as many of them as you can get? Well, in our own plant, we actually don't make cubes. We specify in the... We specify in the coarse meals. We don't have a pelleting plant. We buy pellets of, of people to supply our nut business. But we also have a demand in the summertime from some mills that basically like beans in their in their nuts for the summer because there's a certain level of wax in the beans that will bind better for making nuts in the summer, which can be a problem that the nuts become mealy and they won't basically stay together so beans are actually a, a nice ingredient for the summertime for people who want dairy nuts in the dry time of the year so basically there's a market for those there as well okay uh, so you don't see any great problem then in terms of it competing with the likes of soya or distillers within that ration beans beans can fit that spot very nicely as far as you be concerned it comes back to the old problem beans had if you go back 10 or 15 years ago when the price of soya was at 350 a ton when distillers was available at we'll say 150 a ton to be competitive beans going into a coarse ration or a farmer buying straight ingredients beans had to be competitive with distillers because that's the protein area they compare with so if we have to get if we think beans are going to be worth 250 and distillers are available in the market at 150 beans will not go in beans will stay in the merchant's shed and as a result nobody will want them at the moment distillers are freely available in the marketplace because they've tracked the price of soya soya today is somewhere in the 600 to 650 bracket so distillers is tracking that 400 to 450 bracket so processed beans are in the 400 to 450 bracket as well so beans have no problem finding a way into rations at the moment. But 
if the price of SIA suddenly was to come back down to 400 and distillers was to fall back down with, say, 100 euro, then beans will have to follow suit. So beans track the price of distillers. But my own opinion is the big the bean as a protein source has much wider context than that because, as I would always say, they're the Cinderella crop when there were a small acreage, a small tonnage in the country. But now if we're up at this 20,000 hectares, 50,000 tonnes plus, then they're no longer Cinderella. They have to be mainstream. So the mainstream mills will end up using them once they're competitive, once the nutrition of them is proven, and once they're performing in the dairy diets, the pig diets, the cattle diets, and the poultry diets. The technology is there to produce that stuff and there's probably a deficit there in the nutritional end of the market at the moment that hasn't identified how good or bad they are and what their true value is. Because, as I said, the word that's Cinderella crop. But I think we've moved away from Cinderella now. We've moved up another bit. And hopefully with the increased acreage, they will become a mainstream protein source. Because at the moment, they would be way behind uh, what's been used from soya, rapeseed meal, um, things like... Uh, Holes, you take the, the use of protected urea in diets. So they have to fit in. They have to make, they have to be value for money. Otherwise, they won't be used. But at the moment where the price of proteins are, they don't have a problem. They will fit in. Kieran, can I come back to you just for a second? Um, last week, there was a uh, a price an- announcement from from a merchant further down the country, but you might maybe just give uh, give us an idea or remind us again as regards the potential margin and the supports that are available for farmers who are going to grow peas or beans this year. Yeah, Michael, I suppose the, the key one is obviously the protein payment, and that's the big incentive that's there for growers, really. Um, there was a fund there in the last round of cap of 3 million. That's now increased to, to 7 million. So, um, you know, if you if you work in your seven million and our 20, 20,000 hectare target, you know, that would work out at 350 euros a hectare of a payment. However, we're currently at 10. We probably do expect that to increase. So it's the, the overall fund or the area divided or the fund divided by the area that will give you a payment per hectare. So if you kind of take very round figures, um, you know, I, I, I think it would be reasonable to expect between, say, four and five hundred euros a hectare this year unless the area goes up dramatically so that makes a big difference then to the um, to the to the financials on it you know um and as you say like there's i think there was 285 quoted there last week which was which was a great thing really because if you're planning you know and you know a forward price well you can budget based on on on, on that you know and in terms of the area, the weather has been really good over the last couple of weeks and you know, ground has dried out reasonably well. And there was, I think, certainly potential for, for, for guys to have a go at planting um, proteins or beans, certainly. What's the appetite looking like? Do you think this area will increase? I do, Michael. It's good. It's good. I'd say the area will increase. Um, I suppose like the margin is obviously the big factor. Like I said, the protein payment is there. When you work that into the figures at 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 two eighty five, you know you're looking at a margin there for beans. In the, that's that's twice the margin of spring feed barley at a three ton to the acre. You know, so it's very hard to argue against beans if you have a slot. 
Um, as you say, look, the weather has been kind, I suppose, up to now, um, and there is a good share of, of of beans gone in. More so people that have a method of, of sowing them deep, you know. There's still a big cohort of growers out there that would be using, say, the likes of a plough and one-pass system, where you mightn't be able to get them down that deep, obviously crows being the, the big issue there. So a lot of those growers have probably held off you know, until soil temperatures rise a bit. So I would expect uh, a, a, another flush of, 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 of beans to be sown, you know, one in, in March, probably. I Mick, mean, from your point of view, what are you seeing around kind of the Carlo um, at high kind of direction? Is there, is there many protein crops going in? I suppose beans more, more specifically, maybe this time of the year. And I, I suppose aligned to that, you, you've been saying you, you've been growing um, or been involved in bean growing for probably the last past 30 years. So you've probably come down to a, a pretty nuanced view in terms of the preferred slot or maybe the growing method to try and achieve high yields on farms. Yeah, well, locally, our bean protein pea acreage doesn't vary hugely year on year because the cohort of people that want to sow beans, love them, they sow them, they're in their five-year rotation. People that don't want to sow beans don't like beans, they have 10 different reasons not to sow them, fair enough. That's their prerogative. The peas are the same. Our pea acreage basically has suffered because a couple of bad years where people got untold hardship with the peas and they said, never again will I let a pea go into my combine. But I think the pea thing has changed. There's new varieties, better standing varieties, higher yielding. There's newer varieties coming down the track, which I think will make peas more attractive, especially in the lighter soils, as we seem to be running into this thing of maybe getting a drought every every two years in three, especially in the Carroll lighter soils, the malting barley area, peas are definitely have an option there. There is no doubt about it. They are an option. And there is a, there is a very good market for peas. Growing the beans, our Five-year average target would be 2.5, 2.7. Our last five years, we haven't achieved that because in 18, we had a very severe drought where beans struggled to between a ton and ton and a half. 20, we also had a drought. And then beans, the good crops struggled at two ton. Last year, on average, I'd say we came in about two and a half. So the climate change, the change in the weather will eventually dictate that you will sow beans on heavier ground and a light ground you won't sow them but there's an opportunity there to sow more peas and there's a market for peas uh yield wise some of the newer varieties they're as reliable as going a crop of spring barley there is no issues you sow them right you fertilize them correctly you, you treat them with your fungicide you've clean crops they stand and you harvest in the first 10 days of september Okay, certain later land that the ripes lower or soar later, they will run into October. But in the Carlow area, we would normally have our beans in the first week of September. And last year we had beans coming in at 10 and 12 moistures. There's no problem. Once you get them in right, handle them right, they're straightforward. They're probably more reliable than a lot of crops. And we'd have no issue with beans. The beans are reliable. They're a fantastic break crop. With the cost of nitrogen today, costing is say forty euro a bag. The average crop of corn is getting about four to five bags. Nitrogen's going to cost one eighty to two hundred an acre this year. The beans don't need any nitrogen. 
the protein payment could be 200. So straight away, you have an advantage of 400 an acre. The costs of seed, fertilizer, chemical is cheaper than like taking the fertilizer out of it are cheaper than spring barley. And you're, you're not going to get your straw. But on average, the beans, if you can get your two and a half ton of beans, it's better than four ton of spring barley. So, and this year will we'll hold up because at the moment, it looks like the beans will always command a premium over barley of about 40 euro a ton. So if the barley goes up, the beans will go up as well. Very attractive, I suppose. Look, both of you have made a, certainly a compelling case to, uh, to 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 plant in some beans. Mick, just finally and final question, can I just ask you maybe to go back a little bit and you talked a little bit about bachelors earlier on. And do you see or do, do, do Wins as a company see any more opportunities for the likes of peas, maybe more so than beans in the food market? And would they be or would you be in a position to deliver to that market? As I say, our pea market at the moment breaks down into two. The bachelor's contract, which is fixed, has been there for the last 30 years. That's a closed market. Then we would hope to, on, on average, assemble another thousand ton of peas for our own feed mill, toast and plant. But if there is a premium market out there that say peas are worth another hundred euro a ton over and above what the feed market is, definitely they will become very attractive once we can produce the variety that the market wants, once we can produce consistently the quality that even in a poor season, you have the quality that you can present to the end user to say these are quality that you can use in the food market. But I would think you would have to, at the moment, for the last number of years, there's been no issue. We've had relatively dry harvest. We haven't had a wet harvest in a number of years. The peas have come in very clean. Uh we can run them through the plant. Our toasting plant is full grade quality plant. Uh, the only thing we would need to bring it on, either peas or beans, is we don't have a dehuller plant, but we have the cooking plants. So in the beans perspective for dealing with anti-nutrient fa- factors, heating, we control those. Peas, the standard peas that we're using at the moment, once they're cleaned up, and if they had to be dehulled and ground in to make pea meal, there's no issue with that. But what you're up against is a lot of the pea meal that would be used are white peas that are coming from Canada. They're produced at a much bigger scale. It's a different market. The Irish peas are invariably a green pea, which are sold on the basis of what their appearance is. But again, with research, if the demand is there, there's no reason that the Irish Farmer couldn't produce five to ten thousand ton of peas for the food market. Once the markets are there, and uh, if they want Irish protein, there's not too many other sources of Irish protein available. Mick, that's brilliant. Thank you very much for for that. I think there's uh, fantastic opportunities both on the on on the food side of it, as you're saying there yourself, uh, and uh, also on on the feed side of it going into animals. Uh, Mick and Karen, thank you very much for your time. Delighted that you could join us um, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again shortly. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for this week. And my thanks to Mick and Karen for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to go along to one of the remaining crop walks, which continue this week in Kildare and Donegal to hear about the latest fertilizer, herbicide and fungicide advice for your winter crops this year. We are also holding the Molten Barley Conference in the Riverside Hotel in Enniscorthy this Friday, February 24th at 10.30 a.m. There's a packed lineup discussing some agronomy issues and the future for the malting barley industry. 
For more, go to chagas.ie forward slash Tillichmont. Coming up next week, we talk to leaders of a major research project called Uprotein, which delves into how we can upscale some of the best proteins from many different plant-based sources. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.